Hello, and welcome to Nevermind the Pain Points, a podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your business challenges. Pulling on our network of clients, partners, experienced employees, and industry experts, we wanted to share with you our views and opinions on common business challenges. As a consulting firm that deals with these pain points on a daily basis, we thought we were well-placed to give insight on addressing these challenges. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to today's podcast, where we'll be discussing, does charity transformation ever work? I'm joined in the room today with Ruth and Simon, my colleagues. I'll let you both do an introduction. Sure. I'm very excited to be talking about this subject today. It's very close to my heart. I am a consultant at Clarices, specializing in sustainability and social value, but I've also worked exclusively in the charity sector before I joined Clarices. So have seen lots of charities do strategy and transformation work. Hi, everybody. I'm Simon Bloss. I'm a principal consultant here at Clarisys, and I specialize in customer experience transformation and large scale digital transformation. So hoping to bring that perspective to the conversation today. Cool. Thanks, Simon and Ruth. And finally, I'm Sarah Rigby. I'm also one of our principal consultants and look after our not-for-profit portfolio in Clarisys. Absolutely love working in the sector. have been working here for about two and a half years with both small and kind of national charities and really, really enjoying it to date. So if we just start by actually just talking about what's happening in the charity sector today, what challenges are they experiencing, which means that actually, you know, they are forced to transform as an organisation. I think probably one of the biggest challenges that charities are facing is the kind of post-COVID world of struggling with funding. Lots of charities have become very lean through COVID, lots have made lots of redundancies, and they're now trying to meet their mission and purpose and work towards that with fewer staff and more restricted funding. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, Ruth, about, you know, delivering to their purpose and mission. I think one of the things that we've seen with a lot of our clients is being able to actually measure that impact, having the data available to do so and really having that informed decision making to make sure or kind of ensure that they're spending the money in the right places. That's something actually which is quite a challenge because that data can be quite limited or actually just non-existent today. And that really impacts, I think, how the public perceive charities, what they, you know, what they hear and read from charity sector, the people that they support, and also how funders and the kind of public sector perceive charities. Lots of charities get supported by local governments, local funding. And so if they can't prove the difference that they're making, that's probably going to be an ongoing struggle to compete for ever diminishing funding pots. And Simon, from a customer experience point of view, what kind of problems do you see or challenges that charities are facing today in terms of the experience that they give their customers, which, you know, that can mean quite a breadth of people in the charity sector? I think the challenge that charity sector particularly gets is that there's an expectation to have the same standards of experience, no matter whether they are a charity organization compared to a business. And I think in that context, the cost to deliver what a business can do for a charity is often a real challenge for them to meet. And I think building on the point around current funding being really restricted, it gets harder and harder to actually deliver to the expectations for both those benefiting from the charity, but also for those who are looking to support them and see their improvements. And I think that's where the challenge comes in from a digital perspective as well, especially to give that experience that's at the level of expectation costs a lot of money. And then there's a challenge, I think, about that money not going to the beneficiaries of that charity. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really, really good point. I guess, Touching on that, you went to start to talk there about digital transformation. Just from your own experiences, why do you actually see some of these transformations failing? 
I think one of the biggest challenges is the charity might know the need. They might see where their problems are. So they might know we need a better CRM or we need a better website because we're losing people. We're losing donors because they can't engage with us. But the investment required to update that is so huge and to actually bring in the right people to do that. So to bring in a project manager, to bring in the right project team, to make the dedicated capacity within your existing team to help you deliver that transformation requires money. And so it's almost a vicious circle that they can't get that upfront investment possibly because their board of trustees isn't behind it, doesn't kind of buy into the transformation or the need for it, or that they're just not willing to take the risk and spend that upfront to transform, which is a really, you know, massive challenge. And I think if the better charities can do at kind of making that investment and then proving its success, the more likely people will be to be confident to take that forward. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think as well, from the charity clients that I've worked with, a lot of the time, some of these charities who've been around for over a hundred years, the way they're set up is a real difficulty for them. You know, it's similar in corporate clients as well, where you've got different departments operating in silos, but I guess the pressure for charities to be able to run more efficiently and effectively and work more collaboratively kind of across the organization is a real challenge if actually the way your operating model is set up prohibits you from doing so. I think there's also a piece around people in the charity sector and kind of attracting talent to the charity sector. There is a perception that people work for a long time in the charity sector. They become kind of boots under the table and aren't aren't necessarily kind of committing, which I think is is a dangerous perception to follow because that's not been my experience at all. I've worked with some really, really talented people, but you do have to pay at, at a level to attract that talent and to keep them. And that is obviously an ongoing challenge of the sector. And if you've got that talent, you can drive transformation much more effectively because it does require really strong skills in change management, in project management and, you know, making things happen in a complex and funding restricted environment. I think the other interesting thing there is it's definitely something you see when you look at digital transformation is the pace of change that you need to keep up with when you look at what customers expect. In this case, we look at what your funders are expecting or what those who are benefiting are expecting from you. The pace is so fast. And I think when you haven't got the type of people that appreciate that pace of change is going to only increase or accelerate, it becomes very hard for projects to actually deliver what they want in the end, because by the time it's being delivered, it's moved on way too much. And actually the expectations have moved on. And I think that particularly impacts the charity sector because it is a new thing to have to keep up with that pace, to keep up with the pace of digital transformation, digital change, because before it was a little bit more known as a beast. And I think that's where you really have to focus on getting the right support, the right talent that understands that. Otherwise, you'll end up investing a lot of money and then ending up delivering something that still doesn't meet the need way too late. Do you think there's a piece around the charity sector? Everyone working in that space is so focused on their mission and purpose and delivering that. And do you think there's a sense that digital transformation is actually almost a distraction or actually transformation anyway, is almost a distraction from that core purpose of delivering mission and purpose? Like, Often charities will say for every pound we raise, we spend 97 pence on our service that we offer our beneficiaries. And there's a suggestion that that three pence isn't spent on something useful. And transformation is where that three pence is going towards. Like, Do you think there's a tension there? I think from my personal opinion, you can't separate them at all. You've got to see digital transformation as an enabler to enable you to achieve that mission and kind of stay aligned to purpose. Saying that, I think you have to be really, really clear on what that mission is and why your organization exists. And from some of my experience working with charities, 
it's not always crystal clear, which means you then get misalignment across the individual charity. And that actually makes transforming harder. So I think you have to have that clarity alignment before you can really get into the depths of a transformation because actually it's going to be even more challenging if you don't have that. And I think to your second point around, you know, from a external point of view, hearing I've donated one pound, it's actually not going to someone, it's going to effectively the organization to improve themselves. I think that is, that's a really, really hard message and difficult for some people to swallow. However, I think, you know, internally, you've got to think about the long-term and the sustainable part of the organization that you do need to some degree investment to make sure that you can survive for longer and actually you can still be around for your beneficiaries and ultimately to deliver on that mission that you set out for. I think there's a really key point there around being clear about what the transformation is delivering. I think that applies no matter whether you are a charity or in the private sector. And I've seen so many transformations end up failing, not because they didn't set out with the right intentions, but they didn't connect it to actually what the business was trying to do. And I think in the charity sector, that is essential because you're going to have to communicate that not just internally, but with everybody, all your funders and say, look, we are doing this because we want to provide a better service for those that benefit from us. And to do that, we need to take probably more than three pence out of that pound and put it into this program because then we can make that pound do way more than it's ever done before. And I feel like that's where you have to really think about the tying of your message of your transformation to the culture of your organization, but also of what your funders are expecting. And I think that's a, that's a message that you can apply from business, but also I think is the answer to really getting focused success. I totally agree with that. And I think that I've seen organizations approach transformation very hierarchically. And actually, I think the charity sector has quite strong hierarchical kind of cultural tendencies. And so it often feels for people on the ground delivering the service really committed to the mission and purpose of the charity that their senior leadership team are kind of handing down information about the direction of travel that they haven't participated in. Um, so I guess big advice that I would share would be try to make it as collaborative as possible. If you know that transformation is needed, how can you kind of empower your teams from the very ground level upwards in that transformation and being a part of it and kind of being ambassadors for that? They're also probably the people that are talking to your funders and to you know people you know in the in the street if they're doing face to face fundraising and they can explain why it's so important to invest in that. And they'll be able to make it a much more effectively delivered message. Hopefully, there's something that we always talk about, which is delivering in an agile way in Clarices, and I think this applies so much to this kind of area because if you aren't focusing on delivering early wins in your transformation project, it's very hard for people to buy into this actually delivering value or benefit. Therefore, if you look at your programs that I've seen in charity sector that fail, they tend to be very much focused on, we're going to do this in two years. And in two years time, we're going to have that. And that, that's a long time for people to think about, let alone to support for that period. Things change. We've seen the world change quite a lot as well. And I think the answer to that is to really try and look at how you can deliver early on certain aspects of your program that give people that incentive to go, oh, this is actually changing the benefits already. This is helping our charity be better. We're getting more money in or we're getting more focus or we're getting more results. But you have to think about how you can slice your programs into different ways to do that. And I think that's quite a new thing for a lot of the uh, charities that we've seen to actually think about is how to deliver a large program in a very agile way. Yeah, I think you must have been in my mind, Simon, because I was actually just, just going to touch on that as well. And I think in terms of, Ruth, you mentioning earlier about, you know, boards of trustees being comfortable with spending money. And I think that kind of brings the two points quite nicely together because, you know, quite a few of people who are on boards might 
not necessarily have come from a kind of a business background. They're there because they're just so passionate about the cause. So being able to understand or kind of tell that story to an audience who actually might not be very familiar with big transformations themselves is really important. So being able to tie it back constantly to the impact you're trying to have and actually being able to communicate with them, how can you turn the dial on that? And it doesn't mean you have to invest in a big program from the outset. It's what's going to have the biggest impact to the impact you want to deliver in the quickest way. And being able to communicate that in a really simple, digestible way is really, really important if you want to kind of, I guess, unlock additional funds going forward for that transformation. I think to build on that, there are trustees out there who have got strong business backgrounds, but don't see the charity as a business. And I think that's like, you almost have a different mindset, I think, where you come to a charity and think this is a specific thing. You know, there's lots of debate about whether or not people in, you know, CEOs should be paid as much as they are and things like that. But fundamentally, in my opinion, is that charities should consider themselves like businesses, businesses that are driving social value and making the world a better place. And if trustees can come to it with that mindset, they might be more likely to look at transformation projects and programs as a really worthwhile and important investment. So to add to that point, what we hear a lot from our clients is that there's a lot of activity going on in charities and not really knowing what that translates to in terms of impact. So a great example is one of our kind of healthcare charities, you know, because COVID hits, they had to completely shift what they were working on. They also had a big transformation program running at the same time put a lot of pressure on their people. And, you know, in reality, they just couldn't do everything. So being able to take the time to step back, look at all the different pockets of activity going on in the organization and thinking what is once again, really going to turn the dial on that impact and being okay with the fact that you can stop or pause things. You don't have to keep running because in the grand scheme of things, it might not get to, you know, what you're trying to deliver as a charity is really important. I think that is so important to do. But I think culturally there's such a tension with doing that because everyone that's working in that space can see the need. So like they can see that the second they stop and pause something, people are going to lose out. People are going to suffer. And when you make a decision where you know someone's life is going to get worse because I've made this decision, I can totally see why, you know, and that's why charities tend to grow really organically and new programs come in because someone delivering a program sees an unmet need somewhere else. And they're like, we've just got to plug this gap because it's immoral not to, you know, we have some resources, we can do something to make these people's lives better or, you know, whatever their charity's working towards. And it does end up kind of spiraling and your organization ends up being so big and you've got loads of kind of sporadic activity that might not actually be making as positive an impact as you could make if you were really focused on really core activities. But I can totally see why it's so hard to do that because it feels very ruthless. It feels like you have to say, no, we're not going to help you today. We're going to pause. We're going to stop. We're going to rethink and we might not actually help you in the future. Someone else needs to help you. And that's a horrible decision to make. Are there ways that you've seen charities communicate this kind of thing better or haven't communicated it in in the worst cases i'm just thinking around your point there that the key thing is to understand what's going on why it's going on and how we're improving it because then you can go okay i can cope with leaving that one scenario because actually by us investing this month or this year in terms of this we're going to be able to do so much more but i just wonder if there's ways that Charities could communicate better how their programs or projects need to change the way they're working in a way that's going to help benefit in the future. I think there's two pillars to that. There's communicating that internally to the people that want to do that work in that space. And that is something you can engage with on a more developmental level because you can kind of sit down with your colleagues and say, this is why we're making this 
decision or even, you know, these are our options available to us. This is going to have these consequences. This is going to have these consequences. How would you take this forward if you were me? And then there's communicating that to the people that are going to lose out, the beneficiaries for whom you might be stopping to support. And I think the best instances I've seen of charities doing this really well is where they've worked with partner charities to fill gaps and where in some cases they've actually merged charities. So I've seen quite a few charities come together and merge, which is really, really excellent because there are lots of charities and lots of overlapping spaces and they always compete against each other sometimes, which makes it really hard for beneficiaries to know where to turn to for support. So those strategic ones where they're not thinking, you know, two CEOs who come together and they know actually one of us is going to be leading this merged charity. One of us is going to be off doing something different. That's a really selfless way to actually improve the landscape for their beneficiaries. But I think the internal comms has to happen first before you do that and start to kind of do the the externally facing element. And so what about the donors? Is there any communication that should be done to them or given to them to help them understand how their money is going into this program? If they see that there's a transformation going on, is that helpful or is it better to keep that as something that's internal? You have to be really careful because donors will give restricted funds. So they will say, I'm giving you this amount and it is specifically for this thing because I'm passionate about it. So absolutely you've got to manage the relationship there i've found that if you sit down and have a conversation and explain your reasoning and take them through that journey they are almost always supportive because they care about your mission and purpose i'd say involve them in that conversation if you can involve them in the in the kind of thinking around it ask their thoughts involve them because they're they're interested and they care and they're likely to support you for longer if they feel like they are part of the decision however there are going to be a certain level of donors where you haven't got the capacity to engage them so if they're donating a certain amount and under you're probably not going to be able to sit down and talk to them. And that is where you might have kind of wide scale movement of your donor body. And that is, it's important to think about how you communicate that on a bigger scale through your kind of newsletters and things. But again, as much as possible, I think the best instances I've seen are where CEOs have done a video or something, or even like a podcast where they've explained to donors the direction of travel and what they see happening and invited them to kind of do Q&A and things, really make it about engagement, not one way communication. I think as well the communication piece is is really important when you know when you hear transformation you think of something big and scary and it's going to take lots of time and it you know you get to the point where actually it feels that you're never going to just be running kind of as business as usual so I think it's really important to both of your points being able to stop and pause and actually celebrate when there has been a shift or kind of that step change so it doesn't have to be this year-long program and you know we've all got to slog it until the end of the year it's you know actually being able to step back and recognize and say within two months and it may be something really small it may be you know there's a change on the website but actually it means it's easier for people to donate money or it's easier for beneficiaries to find the right support I think it's still really important to be able to kind of acknowledge they are small changes which you know contribute to the bigger impact but it's opposed to having to wait you know for the end of a program because that can be quite big for some charities. Do you think that speaks to the kind of agile point? And I th- I think we should unpack the agile a bit more because I'm thinking now I work in this space and have used kind of agile project management. I can totally see how it'd be amazing. But if you'd have asked me six months ago before I joined Clarissa's where I just worked in waterfall project management in strategy and transformation in the charity sector, I wouldn't really have known how to look at a big transformation and find a way to slice it. Like the charity sector is not set up to do that. Uh, leadership, I think, would struggle with that approach. Like, How would you recommend someone in that position to kind of approach being agile in transformation? I mean, I think it's definitely something that I've experienced with charity clients because it's uncomfortable. It's, you know, you don't have certainty of the end 
deliverable output, whatever you want to call it. And therefore, I'm putting my money towards something I actually don't know what's going to be delivered. So I think, first of all, just acknowledging being transparent with how is it going to feel? How is it going to be different to say some existing waterfall projects, which might not have failed, or you might have paused halfway through because of budget issues. So I think it's first of all, taking it back to the impact. So what impact are you trying to have? And that can help you prioritize how you deliver it. So if you take something such as beneficiaries, if you think, you know, you could use something like a Pareto kind of 80-20 rule, if you're trying to impact certain types of beneficiaries, it might be you focus more kind of on the majority in terms of what you're delivering so that you can start to deliver something to the 80%, which is the majority, not your 20% of beneficiaries, which may have a bit more kind of nuance and exceptions to the rule. I really like that concept because, and even you could take it beyond the 80-20 and you could say, let's segment our beneficiary base here based on how they engage with us. And so we know that, say we're trying to improve our beneficiary experience at a call center base, so they call us for help. And we know that we segment them based on why they call us and we pick the one that's got the biggest percentage of people in. So they call us because they have these specific needs. And then we run the process, right? So we say like, okay, what are the pain points when they call us? What are they not getting from us that they need? What are the opportunities to make this experience better for them? And you run it with just that segment and to the end, to implementation. Because that, that would have been so alien to me if you said that to me. Yeah. I would have been like, no, no, you segment them all and you work it all out and you do the whole journey for everyone. And then you implement it all in one massive go and everyone's brains explodes because they can't make that change happen all at once. And there's so many different ways that you could kind of slice it. You know, it, it might be by beneficiary type, or if you think about that end-to-end journey, a great example me and Simon are working something together at the moment and we're hearing from beneficiaries that it's really kind of that initial part of their journey so figuring out where to get support in the sector and what support they need to get once that's identified there might be a few bumps along the way in terms of receiving that support but it's it's relatively okay so you could just focus on that first initial step in the journey and that's you know that's a different way to slice it than beneficiary type but there's a load of different ways that you could break down a transformation so it feels less scary and you can see the value and your trustees can actually have confidence in what you're doing as well. I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think there's something interesting here around how that then helps you sell the concept of transformation, because the reason people get scared by the word transformation is because as we say, so many fail. And so there's so much money they can get put into a project and then nothing really materializes that's visible to people. And I think what you can do to slice your program in an effective way is really think about what have our beneficiaries been telling us what have our donors been telling us that is a key message that we can almost cling on to and go right we are going to make sure that that changes really quickly and we can showcase that as being the stage one of our journey on this big transformation it could be a particular type of caller coming in it could be a particular step in a beneficiary's journey if you really focus your energy on that as an initial hook and then actually land it it's amazing how much less people start challenging you about a transformation that, oh yeah, we can see there's something happening. There's a change already in the way I'm able to enter my data into to get help. It's so much easier for me to contact someone that can help me. I feel like there's a journey you're going on and you can start using that as a way to both communicate success, but also to get people to get buy-in internally within this whole transformation project. And do you need to almost live by a mantra that it's not never finished, but like, I think that's the perception because we aim for business as usual that we're like, right, we know we need to change this huge thing. We're going to do an end to end, finish this in a year kind of thing. And at the end, we're going to tick it and say, yes, customer experience done. But you almost need to, in that sense, you almost need to say, we're not going to finish this ever. 
we can always improve it. So we're going to take the highest impact thing that we can do, chunk it down and take that through the process so that we're constantly adding value and making it better. But you've got to be able to acknowledge that it's not going to be over. Exactly. And I think that's that was that point I was saying at the beginning about how expectations are changing so rapidly and digital is just changing so rapidly. So all of that comes together with this never-ending challenge. So you have to somehow put your stake in the ground and go, we've made a change happen along the way and be not fearless as such, but just be a little bit brave about, we don't really know what's going to be needed next year, but we need to make sure we're keeping up with the pace of change. We're keeping up with what's expected of us as a really good charity organization, much like any business is having to do to stay in the game. And I think that's the key message here is like, as you say, there's no such thing as, oh, we're going to get to that state and then finish all our projects now because we can just be in our standard business as usual and nothing else is going to change. And I think that's, that's a new message really as well. I think there's a lot of expectation. Oh, we can just become leaner. We can just get our processes sorted. We can just deliver what the basics are and then we can run. It's not going to be like that. Yeah. And I think building on your point as well, Simon, you, you know, you touched a lot there about kind of the journey, the beneficiary journey, the donor journey. I think being able to, you know, we always look at things through that lens. So we wouldn't, you know, when we would advise charities to do that as well, the reason you're transforming is for your beneficiaries. So being able to see everything from the eyes of a beneficiary and, you know, if we change or tweak this process, what impact is it going to have on the beneficiary? That really helps as well. Prioritize where do you put your efforts? Because there might be some things which would be nicer if they were fixed from an internal point of view, but actually, is it really going to have the impact to your beneficiaries? If it isn't, I'd challenge why are you investing in that? I think there's something really important there as well about the many faces you have to provide when you're running your business or running your charity. But in this case, during your transformation, you have to think about all the different faces you're facing off to when it comes to your donors, your beneficiaries, and tailoring the message about what you're doing and also what benefits you're giving to each of them is a real success when you do it right. Because then people go, okay, I can see how my money is now going to be used better if I'm donating, or I can see how I'm going to be getting more support if I'm a beneficiary. If you give out the same message to everyone, it doesn't really make sense and also loses their interest. And I think there's something you can also do there where if you want to really work out how you engage back to your point about maybe doing some Q and A's with your beneficiaries, if you then bring them into that, they then feel part of that program. And then you can actually use their voice as much as your own to really help drive the success stories. Cause they can be like, yeah, I came up with this idea and look, they've done it. It gives you a real kind of human touch to a transformation program that can often be forgotten. It's a, a massive area of development in the charity sector is how to be led by your beneficiaries, how to really, we add this kind of different terminology used, but the words that I've always used is like co-production. So how do you like produce your work with the people that you're there to support? Because there's so many cultural challenges around kind of representing your beneficiaries when you might not have lived experience and talking about them as victims and creating like a sense of negative perception when you talk to donors and, and the public about the people that you support. So the more people can do that, the better. I think there's a challenge around that in that we're talking about applying a business mindset and, you know, being at the, at the kind of transformation end of stuff and being agile and delivering project management and to actually effectively engage your beneficiaries in that will be really challenging and it will take additional time and effort. So it's going to have to always be a balance between what you can feasibly do versus what's possible in the what you actually think is the best option for your organization. Okay, so we're coming up towards the end of our time on this podcast. I thought maybe to finish, we could do what are our top three tips that we would give to someone listening today who is thinking about transformation in their charity. 
I think I'd say my top tip is definitely to think about who you're doing the transformation for and then really focus in on shaping it around those initial wins for that person or those types of people because then that gives you that success story that I mentioned that really gets both interest but also you can then use as a real message to give both internally and externally. My top tip would just be keep it simple. So don't try and boil the ocean. Don't try and do everything, cover every single situation scenario, because if you do that, you risk never actually delivering on something. So keep it simple and start as soon as you can. Stop talking about it. Mine then is, I think communication is absolutely key. Take the time to think about how to engage people effectively in your transformation and engage with your comms team, definitely. But the more you can talk to people internally from the ground up and your beneficiaries and your funders about your transformation, the more support and energy you'll get and the better ideas you'll generate as well. Super. Thank you both for joining us today. And thank you to the listeners out there as well for listening to us. If you want to discuss any of this, get our thoughts kind of beyond this, please reach out to us at Clarisis. We'd love to speak to you. We have a dedicated not-for-profit email, which is notforprofit at clarices.com that you can get in touch with us on to talk about all your not-for-profit transformation interests. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Nevermind the Pain Points. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or site. We would love your feedback, so please leave a review or drop us an email at podcast at And for more information about us, visit our website, clarices.com. 